What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show where we cover all culturally relevant aspects of the beautiful game. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, all of the things happening off of the pitch, just none of the stuff happening on it. My name is Louie, and I am joined here with my co-host, Alan. Unfortunately, our other co-host, Brendan, is not here, but fortunately, he is in Denmark having a great time. We should see him back next week, and we hope he had a great time. And remember to bring us some scarves. We are... Seven days away from the start of the World Cup as of this recording. You will most likely be getting this episode the week that the World Cup starts. But it is here. It is so close. You can almost taste it. With the World Cup being so close to starting, we decided that this week we wanted to preview the World Cup. We dove into a wide range of topics from politics to racism to what it would mean for for countries to win the World Cup. And we try to cover as much ground as possible. If you like this podcast, don't forget to leave us that five-star review on either iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you may get your podcast. It really helps us rank higher, and we really, really appreciate it. If you can't get enough of us, you can also follow us on Instagram at culturef.c. We post behind-the-scenes videos, pictures, just different things that you don't necessarily get to see or hear in the regular podcast. We also have our own clothing brand. It is called Treble, and you can find us on Instagram at treblewear.com. T-R-E-B-L-W-E-A-R. It's a clothing company that's run by the three of us, and we design everything, we make everything, and we would just really appreciate it if you could check it out. This week, we do have something special, though. These guys from the FIFA World Cup trophy glass sent us a few different sets of these amazing World Cup glasses. They are commemorating the Russian World Cup, and we are actually giving away two sets for you to be entered to win it is very simple all you have to do is go to the video version of this podcast either on facebook or youtube and just comment who you think is going to win the world cup that is as simple as it gets all you got to do is write which country you think will win if you're selected to win we will send you an entire set of these glasses as well as a couple of stickers and even something from our own clothing brand so go over to youtube or facebook once this video gets put out and comment who you think is going to win the world cup While you're over there on our Facebook or YouTube, take a quick second to either like or follow us or subscribe. You know, we post uh, several other kinds of videos as well. We have other shows that we put out pretty regularly. So if you only listen to this podcast, go check that out as well. I do think that's enough rambling, though. Let's get into what you came for and get hyped for the World Cup. Up related news topics. First one is Peru captain and their best player Paulo Guerrero is uh, will be allowed to play in the World Cup. Paulo Guerrero was banned for doping um, about a year ago, and then they cleared him to play, and then they banned him again, and now they cleared him one more time, and now he will be officially allowed to play in the World Cup. Yeah, I think they found coke in his system. Yeah, I think that there was. Th- I think there was a coke and some other stuff. He claims. The story's crazy. He claims that he went on this, like, museum trip, and he, like, touched a mummy, and there was, like, remnants of this, like, chemical that they used to embalm people, and that, like, got into a system somehow, and that's what he used as his, Did like... Did he touch it with his tongue? <laughs> I'm just confused how touching a drug now lets it go into your body. But I'm not sure, but if, you know, if Paul Guerrero went in and started licking mummies, then yeah. there's other things that we need to be worrying about <laughs> yeah. other than coke use. Um... 
Yeah, it was kind of cool because um, a bunch of captains from teams came out and signed a petition to actually bring him back and allow him to play. They must have believed his story, which is kind of crazy to me, but whatever, they believe him. Uh, they signed the petition. FIFA, which I actually kind of respect, tr- kind of took the petition for what it was and, and allowed him back in. Right, and it, it's actually a really cool moment of solidarity, solidarity where everyone came together and was like, yeah, let's, you know, Peru doesn't have much of a chance without him, so let's allow him to play yeah. so it's at least a little bit more interesting. Yeah. So it ends up working out in FIFA's favor. Like, sure, you know, they take a little bit of a hit of allowing this dude who got banned for doping to play, but at the same yeah. time, it would be his last World Cup, which, first of all, it would be his first World Cup because Peru haven't made it in, like, 36 years yeah. or whatever it is, but it would be his last possible World Cup. He is getting up there in age, and, like, who knows when Peru is going to make it back yeah. to the World Cup. I will say this. Peru has a, Don't they have, like, a coke, a plant that has something with coke in it? Like, their, their culture... Um, I, I know they, like... I think they're, like, addicted to this plant, honestly. I've seen... and. Someone can correct me if I'm mistaken, but I think that they have it in their tea. It's like a plant that they they put in tea, they I drink in, and a lot of their players actually get um, ca- can fall victim to pa- not passing a drug test because of this. Um, I just can't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, I think they use like the coca tea leaves yeah. that they use to like because what happens with cocaine, they actually have to like go and do like a chemical process to make the drug. Mm-hmm. But it all comes from a leaf, so I have heard it's not yeah. the first time I've heard it. Yeah. I've heard it before that they've used like the coca leaf yeah. as like tea yeah um and a lot of times i've also heard it that like they used to do it like you would take the leaf and just kind of chew on it and it it would help you if you had like a headache or whatever it is you know you know people didn't know i've definitely seen pictures i've definitely seen pictures of people in in peru like chewing on the leaf so that that does sound pretty legit yeah so i'll I'll give them i'll give them credit so we don't know if he was chewing on leaves (laughs) or looking mummies but we're just happy paulo guerrero is going to be able to play in the world cup yeah and it'll be great to see what he can do yeah, they just played a friendly. He scored their only two goals or two yeah. of their goals. So yeah. th- I think they need him. Oh, for sure. Okay, moving on to the next topic. We're going to be talking a little bit about Nigeria. So we talked about their jerseys that came out. Nike, I mean, they they were they blew up. They were like revolutionary design. It's super cool. If you haven't seen them, go check them out. We'll have the link. Well, hold on, though. If you haven't seen them, where have you been living? Yeah. It's been. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen them, you will definitely see them, see them in the streets a lot because they actually sold 3 million jerseys in, like, under two minutes. Yeah, and it was all pre-sale, too. Yeah. Which is insane. Like, think about it. Like, 3 million jerseys, not to mention all the counterfeit ones that are out there, too. It's like yeah. 3 million official jerseys on Nike's website, on pre-orders, sold out within minutes. Yeah, and, and then it's raised kind of an interesting question because it's those three million weren't all just Nigerian fans, right? So we've had we've seen a lot of instances now where people of um, all different cultures, all different backgrounds, are rocking this Nigeria um, jersey, and there have kind of been people like, "Hmm, is this a little bit of cultural uh, appropriation? Is it is it appropriate for this white guy from England to be rocking the Nigeria jersey?" I personally don't think there's any problem with it. I think jerseys. I mean, it's definitely more common. I let's say with like the NBA, where you uh, you could be a Celtics fan, but you'll wear a um, a Pelicans jersey. You know. It, there isn't that kind of loyalty behind the jerseys for soccer it's a little bit i mean you don't really want to cross that line but we're in such an age where fashion and 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 soccer are coming together that i don't necessarily see a problem with it 
Um, especially, I don't know, Nigeria isn't like a world footballing power, so it's not like if I were Brazil rocking an Argentina jersey, that's, there's a, definitely a problem there. But if I'm a, a Brazil fan, I don't necessarily have a rivalry with Nigeria, so me wearing the jersey doesn't necessarily make me a poser or anything like that. But I don't know. I, I definitely can see the arguments against it and, and why people would be like, dude, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, to me, jerseys have transcended just being uh, sporting attire. And we've talked about this before, how, how uh, soccer jerseys have moved very wholeheartedly into fashion, which is why Nike's experienced such success with right. this Nigeria kit, is because it is very fashionable. They did a full-on uh, fashion release. Like, yeah. they brought in, they had, you know, the full tracksuit, which I find a so sick yeah and like they did a legitimate fashion launch with yeah. this kit and so i think there's nothing wrong with it i think that the people who are complaining about you know the cultural appropriation there's just nothing in it i mean i think about this like i've seen a million people not a million but i've seen a bunch of people out there wearing brazil jerseys yeah. but they're not all brazil fans yeah. like for some i don't know why this brought, i brought this up but like i thought about this I remember my, one of my favorite movies on the planet, Superbad. Yeah. And the scene where the, they go to the party and the dude's wearing the Brazil, the Brazil jersey. jersey yeah. Like, that just sticks out in my yeah. mind. Like, every... It's, it's just... I think it's just moving into mainstream culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's awesome that Nigeria's moved... Like, yeah. the Nigeria kids Absolutely. moving into the mainstream culture. You know, I think having them be ingrained in popular culture is only going to help Nigeria. It's only yeah. going to help the support for Nigeria. It's only going to yeah. help the support for Africa as a whole, too, because, yeah. you know... It's just such a cool, iconic, yeah. like, it's just very Nigeria. So yeah. it's just like, from now on, from now for the next 40, 50 years, people are going to be talking about this yeah. jersey. Like, it's going to be ingrained in popular culture. In 15 years, some hipster is going to wear it yeah. in, like, a music video yeah. or something. Yeah, I'm going to wait till I can find it in the Salvation Army or something and buy it for $10. Yeah, and so it's just going to be part of, like, popular culture from here on out. And I think yeah. it's awesome. I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's just a matter of... Like you said, I think you hit all the main points. There's, you know, as a Brazil fan, Brazil doesn't have a competition with, like, yeah. a big rivalry with Nigeria. So right. if I bought one of those jerseys, like, I might not look good in it. Yeah. But that's a different point. Yeah. But I would, I, I, I wear it. You yeah. know, I wouldn't have any issues with it. Yeah. But I think people that are claiming the cultural appropriation thing are just looking for a race issue to kind yeah. of point this to. I mean, and we don't need any more of those. Because no. moving into this World Cup, I'm sure we'll have plenty. Yeah, we don't need to be bashing Nigeria for having really cool jerseys. Yeah. I think we're... <laughs> Let people wear jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> But moving on to the last news topic, Raheem Sterling recently got a AK-47 tattoo on his leg, and all across England and even across the world, people have been calling to have him excluded from the World Cup team. Yeah. This is the point that England fans have gotten to where one of their best players and one of the only people who, have, who can give him any chance to actually do something in the World Cup, they want to exclude him yeah. because of a gun tattoo. Yeah. He had to come out on Instagram and explain that I think his father was shot down or something, and um, he shoots with his right leg or something, so he promised that football would keep him away from guns. I don't really know the whole story, but there was a positive connotation behind the gun. There have been a lot of people saying that be the reason why he's getting targeted so heavily is because he is black, and there so there are a lot of racist issues behind why he's kind of being targeted. Piers Morgan came out and was saying a bunch of bullshit about him and, and saying that someone shouldn't do something, shouldn't be posting things that promote kind of a negative image, and then the next day he posts a picture smoking a cigar, and people were like, dude, I don't want my kids smoking. Like, I, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because I used to really think, I, for some reason I used to think England was like this nice place 
the peaceful country but they have a lot of the same kind of racial issues and racial tensions that we're experiencing now in the u.s so it's super interesting to see how that even their superstar players are treated I mean, normally you wouldn't expect the superstar players to be berated and, and kind of hated on, but, I mean, even even in England, that's, it's still an issue. Yeah, and it's weird because it, it's it's in a football-mad country like yeah. England where you think, like, all right, and a lot of times you see that what happens with superstars is they allow, they're allowed to pretty much do whatever they want, and as long as you continue producing, no one cares. So it's weird that, like, in England where it's a football-mad country where every single World Cup they get very disillusioned with the idea of, of England actually being able to win something, and then they get sad when they lose, you would think, all right, maybe we actually have a chance with Sterling. He's been having a phenomenal season. Yeah. Maybe let's not give him shit for this. Yeah. But... Back to the Piers Morgan thing. Gary Lineker, right after that, came out because Piers Morgan's an Arsenal fan. He came out and was like, "Well, then, if you know he can't have a, a AK-47 tattoo, then we should just get rid of the gun on the Arsenal badge." Yeah. And it was just like <laughs> the Twitter exchange was awesome because there's a like a meme that came out and basically everyone was, was saying, "Okay, I'll fix this." Someone photoshopped out the cannon. Then someone was like, "Well, you can't have a, a shield because that represents war." So someone took out the shield, and then at the end of the meme, it was just a circle left for the Arsenal badge. Um, so the internet won on that one, which I yeah. really appreciated. Right, and I mean, I don't even think Raheem Sterling needs to defend himself. No, who gives a shit? Yeah. It's a piece of art, yeah. and it, it's whatever his reasoning is. He said he'd never touch a gun because his father was right. killed. Like, who cares? Right. It's a tattoo. Right. You, if you're getting that hung up. Right. on a tattoo yeah. on the dude's leg he like he didn't even have to post anything on instagram right it's his no, body he can do so. whatever the hell he wants yeah he's an idol but he's not out there shooting people yeah he's literally yeah like he doesn't and the other thing he said too is like it's not done because he was like i'm still gonna work on this tattoo yeah. it's just the beginning of progress it. right and it was just like ridiculous how much backlash he got like there are papers left and right all across england even in the world they made worldwide yeah. news yeah and it shouldn't have no absolutely not i think that it, it's his it's his body let him do what he wants with it I mean, it, it's totally different if it were, like, a swastika or something like that. But, I mean, guns, they're, if you see him in movies, if you're going to berate him for putting a tattoo of it, don't let your kids watch any violent movie. Don't let them play Fortnite, which I'm sure they're playing. Don't let them do anything like that that's going to allow them to experience what shooting a gun is like. Um, but yeah, I think, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's so frustrating that, like, yeah. there's still people having to deal with these race these racial issues in 2018 right and the other thing too is like don't just jump down his throat without hearing his right. explanation right like don't start judging him without knowing why he's doing it you had all these papers calling him out and basically insinuating all of these things without actually discussing it with him or even taking into his uh, account like his personal history right. like the guy hasn't he's never really done anything no. bad he's been a pretty exemplary like player yeah. he, I th i'm pretty sure he's done a lot of good things for communities Absolutely. and stuff and it's just like they throw that all out the window yeah. because he's a young black british man yeah. and they and he has a gun tattoo yeah. it's, i find that yeah. baffling i honestly think that the the fa should take action and just block those those journalists or even the organizations that they work for from going to press conferences right start showing that you actually care for the players and you're not going to allow these players to be berated so heavily and and maybe these these newspapers will stop writing just bullshit well it's funny because the english press have such a hard they have such a bad track record when it comes to berating their own players and you've seen it with you know when Beckham got a red card in, like, I think, was it 2002? Mm -hmm. They made effigy, or it was it 98? They made effigies of him and burnt mm -hmm. like little things of him when he, they got back from the World Cup. And it was just like, these people just take it so to this next level yeah. in England. Yeah. Not that Brazilians and South Americans yeah. don't, but like for some reason, 
the because the media is involved in England, it just yeah. seems to all get blown out of proportion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely not the way you want to be treating your team going into a World Cup. Especially not your star player. No. It's not like this is Johnny on the bench over there. Yeah. This is Raheem Sterling, right. Sterling, who should be starting for you, yeah. and one of the only chances you guys have of actually producing something yeah. at the World Cup. Absolutely. But, all right, moving on to the World Cup preview. So today's episode, we're trying to just kind of tackle as many of the culturally relevant issues surrounding this World Cup and try to get a little bit of a, of a taste for everything. And so I kind of want to start off with, you know, a couple of moments to watch out for and basically started off with the racism and how to how we're expecting that to impact the Russian World Cup. Yeah. So for people that don't know, I mean, Russia has a lot of issues uh, politically, you know, they don't really like the LGBT community. The racism is a very big, big issue in Russia still, more so than in, in the U.S., which is just kind of crazy there. It's more openly accepted. So people have been kind of worried about, I mean, you have a lot of non-white people showing up to the World Cup, both to play and, and to, to root for their teams. What's going to happen? And recently, actually, the FIFA just took kind of a, an important step, I think a little, a little too late, but an important step, that they're giving their referees the power now to actually take one of three steps if they see any instances of racism happening on, on the pitch, or in the fans, sorry, and that includes stopping, suspending, or evening all all out abandoning a match if if the the ref deems that that's necessary. Wow, that is, I will say, I wish they had said this a while a while ago right. because this has been an issue since the day they announced the World Cup yeah. back in 2010 yeah. when they announced the 2018 World Cup. So it's like the fact that it's taken them what within a few weeks of the World Cup to announce this is a little. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like people were putting a lot of pressure on them as they should have, and for them to really just like finally be coming on saying it, like, okay, great, I'm happy yeah. that they did it, but it was also like could have done this before. Right. I, I wonder because racism will happen. Uh, I for think sure. for sure in this in the stands. I wonder how predominant it has to be for a ref to pick it up, and if a ref will actually do anything to do it, right? Because logistically, abandoning a, a, a World Cup match is a lot of money. Especially if it's already underway and right. everyone's at the stadium. Right. And now all of a sudden you have an entire stadium S full of angry scheduling people. Scheduling conflicts. Uh, I mean, there's a whole host of things that happens. Does a referee have the courage and or is he actually being promoted behind the scenes to actually take any action if things like this are happening? Right. So it's almost like that question of, is this a surface level thing yeah. where FIFA's just saying it, but then they're also secretly behind the doors being like, hey, yeah, yeah, unless, yeah. you know, it's really, really bad, yeah. let's not do anything. Yeah. Because it, like, it must be a logistical nightmare. Because not only do you have to coordinate with all the fans and the players and the staff and all of that, but you have to coordinate with each city's officials right. in terms of traffic, police, you know, the metro. Everything has to be coordinated right. for the World Cup to actually work out. Yeah. And so for someone to abandon a match, it's going to have to be something catastrophic. Right. For, I really hope it doesn't get to that point. No, I really hope it goes. this not. World Cup just flies without a hitch. But, you know, from everything we've been seeing, racism has been... One of the main talking points leading up to this World Cup, I wish it was actually more of a talking point. I feel like not enough people are focusing on this issue. Yeah. Um, because a, a, a very big number of any of the racial instances that we've seen in world football have actually happened in Russia, right. either in, in Champions League games being played in, in Russia or... Even I remember, we, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, when William from the Brazilian uh, national team played in Russia at Anzi Machakalakalakala, yeah, yeah. he re uh, received racial abuse. Roberto Carlos, who is a he's a pretty light-skinned Brazilian. He's yeah. like a tan guy. He's yeah. not really, I wouldn't consider him you know, black. He's, yeah. 
He's a yeah. tan yeah. dude. He received racial abuse, yeah. and he was the manager of Anzi Machakalakalaka. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, I will. They do not discriminate when it comes to who they discriminate against. Right. <laughs> like if you're not white, they're going to discriminate if against you. You're not you, pale. So. <laughs> you know, you're not <laughs> right. one of us. You're not one of them. So, um, yeah, I, I hope nothing happens. Honestly, but we'll, we'll we'll have to see it. Unfortunately, I think things are going to happen, and that's similar with the hooliganism. Right, we had the whole episode on hooliganism, and, and um, I mentioned how I, I would not be showing up to Russia for the World Cup. Right, it, it's going to happen. I hope that the the government takes the appropriate steps to protect the fans that are showing up. You don't want to see people getting hurt when they're going to go enjoy the world's most beautiful game. I just really hope that in no instance is England allowed to play Russia. Yeah. Like, if no. that is to happen, yeah. just f- just shut down the World yeah. Cup, call it quits, let it yeah. go. Um, if, if Russia and England play each other, done. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be ugly. Um, but in terms of hooliganism, hooliganism, we uh, recommend that you swing back and uh, listen to our episode on hooliganism because we actually touched upon a lot of the points of the World Cup with hooliganism. So we'll just kind of skip that over for today. Um, but another moment to watch out for is also doping. Yeah. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this as well. Um, the Russian FA has actually been pretty supportive of, of doping their own players because Russia really wants to make an impact <laughs> in this World Cup. Yeah. And they've kind of come out and said that we will dope our players. Yeah, yeah. Now they, again, Russia just doesn't give a fuck about the rules. They kind of make their own rules. It, again, I, it's such a blemish on the sport if they if the Russians do decide to come and, and do that. I mean, I think they'll know that that they're going to be actions taken against them, but you never know. They may just be like, whatever, we still want it, who cares? Yeah. Um, I think it, along with Russia, I was actually reading an interesting article the other day about how Spain has a really bad doping problem. Mm. So, so I think now that they're kind of being highlighted more, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to find the, the article and link it, and maybe we can even have another whole episode on, on this, but Spain has been kind of low-key having these weird doping treatments and Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola has even kind of fallen victim to it before where they kind of send players to Spain and they're recovered miraculously within huh. a couple of weeks. Um, so that'll be interesting as well because Russia gets a lot of the, the bad credit for it, but we'll see if Spain gets in any trouble for it if their history gets tarnished because of it. Um, Maybe Paulo Guerrero decides to lick some yeah. mummies while he's in <laughs> Russia yeah. and they have yeah, to yeah, ban him again. Bring more mummies up there, yeah. Gonna well, pull a hat trick of banning. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you never want to see a tournament be blemished by these um, unfortunate events, yeah. I'll, I'll call them, but who knows. I mean, and I think the lastly, the last thing we should really be on the lookout for is how the Russian political scene impacts the World Cup. Right. Like, what does Putin do? Right. You know, like, does he just keep everything under wraps and just tries right. to be a nice, gentle president right. yeah. of Russia yeah. and just, you know just is fine with everything yeah. so we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on all of that um with that being said and we you know roping all that together we've talked about how a very huge number of americans are flying to the world cup to watch games and and be present at the stadium but i wanted to pose the question who should american soccer fans root for like if you don't and of course we're excluding the people who have family in other countries but like as a general you know honest to goodness american who should they root for it's a good question i think uh, before you answer sorry i didn't mean to interrupt uh sports illustrated and also lexi lawless have come out and said that americans should root for mexico and this Ooh. is very troublesome because yeah. uh, in terms of rivalry i'm not saying that you know these two clubs are or these two countries are very 
prestigious, I guess, but their rivalry is pretty heated. Yeah. You know, the U.S. has a huge rivalry with Mexico in terms of, of soccer, so it's like, how do you think Americans should root for Mexico? Uh, absolutely not. And this goes this goes against a lot of the the topics that we talk about and how rivalry builds the sport into what it is. And rivalry is so important for the, the game of soccer. If they are promoting that, they're kind of going against what I think builds such an amazing sport. Mexico and the U.S. by far. The, I mean, Mexico is the U.S.'s biggest um, rival when it comes to soccer. Mostly because they play each other every year, right? <laughs> they, and, and that's okay, right? That, that's yeah. totally okay. But in no way, shape, or form should the U.S. now be rooting for Mexico. You right. don't want to see your. You don't want to see them succeed. I understand that maybe. Do you, what is the reasoning behind why? why the reasoning they behind this is because technically they're North American, yeah. and no, so it's okay. like, oh, no, you're a part absolutely. of a continent. Right. Let's root for you. No, there's no continent loyalty in this. Abs- like, I, as a Brazilian soccer fan, I would never root for Argentina to win. A I would never cup, root so for any South American right. country just because. Oh, I want South America to win it. Absolutely not. I think that's an atrocious idea. It. it I think the U.S. should just root for an underdog. Just pick an underdog. The Americans love an underdog star. I think most people do. Just root for an underdog. Pick an Iceland and Egypt. So one of these teams, root for them and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, I say, in my head, do not root for Mexico. Unless, I mean, I, I, with one exception, with one small exception, I think that as an American, we are all immigrants, regardless right. of how you look at it. I say find the closest relative you have that yeah. isn't American and root for that guy. Yeah. So if that happens to be that, let's say you are a Mexican-American, and yeah. you, let's say even if you've rooted for the U.S. men's national team for 10 years, but your parents are, are Mexican yeah. fans, root for Mexico. Root for Mexico. That's the yeah. one exception. I agree with that, absolutely. But let's say, you're, let's say you're from Ohio and your grandparents came from, I don't know, France. Yeah. Root for France. Yeah. You know, or maybe if that's not a very apparent thing and you don't have that, I, here's a funny thing. Ancestry.com, I think you can figure out who. So here's a really interesting thing about that. 23andMe is a company that does DNA testing. Yeah. They've been putting out a World Cup uh, commercial for the past month oh on wow. Fox Sports about uh, finding your heritage. Oh wow. And I found it so Absolutely interesting. Cool. I, I wish I had yeah. brought this up like a month ago when I first saw it, but... Essentially, they they've been they have these ads that have been coming out being like, "Hey, discover what your ancestry yeah. is," which I found genius by them, That's especially because of this smart. topic. Yeah. Americans aren't yeah. the American the U.S. men's national team yeah. isn't in the World Cup, yeah. so twenty three and Me is like, "Hey, this is what we do. Like, yeah. come find out your ancestry." That so is awesome. That if anyone's looking for a way out from supporting the U.S., go do that because maybe you might be a Brazil supporter and hey, you'd be so blessed. Just come <laughs> over to the dark side, come root <laughs> right. for us, and yeah. no, that's it. that's an awesome, awesome, awesome advertisement. It's such I, a great I, opportunity. I wish I had seen that. Yeah. Oh, look at I was watching MLS games last weekend, and I, it just kept popping up yeah. every like every halftime. It would come up, and I was like, wow, that is so interesting. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, so, yeah, I say if you have the money, go do it. By, by no means are they sponsoring this podcast, but if they'd <laughs> like to sponsor this podcast, we are more than happy to listen. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, find out who you can support. Or if you don't have anyone to support, I don't know, root for Iceland. They yeah. only have 300,000 right. people living in their country. Sure they could I use all the support they need. Yeah. You were saying they were throwing out Facebook ads to, to help support them. So, I mean, they're definitely looking for more th- as much support as they can. So, if they... Yeah. Yeah, it's such a crazy concept, though. I would... As a Brazilian, I would never be able to root for, say, Argentina. No. Oh, my God. No. No, it doesn't make any sense to me. But moving right along, in still on the topic of Americans in the World Cup, um, I have a very interesting question to ask. Will Fox Sports ruin the World Cup for all of us living in the United States. The reason I ask this is because 
Fox Sports paid an unprecedented $425 million for the TV rights of the 2018 and 2022 World Cups. They got it from ESPN, and this was actually before the U.S. failed to qualify. Yeah. But they announced today that they're basically half-assing the whole thing. They have a, uh, a team of eight commentators for the World Cup, but only four of them yeah. are actually going to be in Russia in the stadiums commenting on commentating on these games. Yeah. And on top of it, eight of these 12 commentators are American, straight yeah. up just American, yeah. which is there's nothing wrong with it in just that instance. But it's also like the World Cup is very diverse. Yeah. The United States is a very diverse country. Yeah. And basically, I, I'm very weary of this because the ability that you have to actually commentate a game when you're sitting in the stadium and you can experience the, the atmosphere firsthand is so different yeah. than, you know, these eight other commentators having to sit in a studio in L.A. Yeah. so far removed from the action to commentate these games. It's almost, I mean, it's not almost. It is, uh, you're listening to people who are also watching a game on TV comment about a game that you could be also commentating. You, you know might as well watch <laughs> the game on mute. Yeah, there's no... There's no excitement there. And I remember actually experiencing kind of this when a long time ago when BN Sports was kind of just getting into soccer, they were showing a lot of the uh, Spanish League like they still do today, but they didn't have actual commentators in the stadium. And I remember the, the commentating being so bland because you don't have that kind of outside noise that comes from actually be commentating in the stadium. And they're not feeding off the atmosphere no, either. Like if the crowd's not, cheering and getting yeah. loud, you're gonna get loud. I mean, they're hearing this. A lot of a lot of commentating is often kind of being able to pick up on things in the stadium and, and relaying that to the listener at home. When you're experiencing it the same way that we are on TV, you can't do that. You're, you're, not you're really that. just adding the same things that we're probably already thinking in our heads, right? So, for me, that's really really poor, and especially. You don't you don't want to see these things be half-assed in a country where we want to promote the growth of the sport as much as we do. It's just honestly, it's embarrassing. It's such an embarrassment. This is the world's biggest sporting event. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. This is the world's biggest event. Period. Right. There's nothing that no. is bigger than the World Cup in the history of the of no, the world. Absolutely not. And Fox Sports is cutting corners. You know, cutting their budget. Yeah. In other words, they're hiring the cheapest commentators they can, yeah. not hiring the best team, yeah. only sending four of them to Russia. Like, yeah. that's not okay. To give you a comparison, in 2014, ESPN sent five pairs of commentators to Brazil, and they called all but 13 games live from the stadium. Yeah. The other 13 games were called from a broadcast center, but it wasn't in the United States. It was in Rio. Yeah. So at least they Still were there. within the culture and experiencing all of that firsthand. Yeah. So why do I give a shit what eight people in Los Angeles are talking yeah. about when they haven't been out in the street? Because the other thing we have to think about is if you're in this country traveling, you get to experience what the country is. Absolutely. And so as a color commentator, when you get to comment on these little things as right. well, like, oh, man, like the let's I remember an instance I remember from the 2014 World Cup that I actually heard about from a commentator is. During an Argentina game, they were talking about how some Argentinians went to Brazil and were actually sleeping on the yeah. beaches in Rio Absolutely. in like a, a big caravan with other fans, yeah. not because they didn't have hotels, but just because it was more fun and there was like a fan fest going on at the beach. And so these kind of things you don't really get to experience unless you're there in Russia. So why do I care what eight people in Los Angeles are experiencing about the World Cup? They're experiencing the same shit I am. Yeah. I can look all this up on the internet. I don't need them to tell me that. Absolutely. And so... What I liked about ESPN's coverage as well is that they, they made sure that they brought in a lot of ex-players, managers, 
guys that weren't just american right they brought in other influences from other cultures other i mean different perspectives that the american culture might not understand but that a, um, a michael bollock he a, he i remember him uh rude van Nistelrooy, these kind of guys that understand the culture and what the sport means in these other countries that kind of make it super interesting during the world cup to learn these little things these little traditions these little pieces of heritage that these countries carry with them to the world cup every year um and, and Fox not doing that and not having these kind of experienced people, different cultures, different backgrounds there, really, I mean, really is, is poor decision-making on their part. Oh, of course. And, I mean, the list of their co- of Fox Sports commentators, honestly, only a few of them even jump out to me as people that I would even want to listen to. You know, John Strong and Stuart Holden, I'm, I'm actually not a big fan of Stuart Holden's commentary. I think he could have been a great commentator, but I think he kind of got wrapped up into this, like, he kind of just followed suit with what the American commentators were yeah. also doing. I'm not a fan of his. I think his commentating is not very good. I like. I think John Strong's not bad. Warren Barton's okay. But the rest of them, they're not great. But yeah. for ESPN to have on their resume people like Michael Ballack in yeah. the studio yeah. to be able to talk about the World Cup, yeah. and now you have Fox Sports barely, tra- like, right. basically trying to put down together this, like, makeshift thing. Right. Like, guys, you literally spent so much money to get these rights and you're literally just throwing it away yeah it seems a little ridiculous so i hope my answer to the qu- original question is i hope fox sports doesn't ruin the world cup as because yeah, as well i won't let them ruin it yeah. if they suck i will watch the games some other way i mean to be honest my family we'd normally if we if the brazilian networks aren't um, displaying it, we'll watch it on Telemundo. Oh yeah, we don't know. I mean, it's just a cultural thing. Yes, yeah. they really like the the way they they announce. It's super exciting. You yeah. definitely probably heard. Well, for me, if it's a Brazil game, I'm listening to it on on Global. If it's yeah. not a Brazil the, game, I'll watch yeah, it on the American right. stream, so, whatever um, it is. But. Yeah, so I, I personally don't think it won't ruin it for me, <laughs> but I hope that they don't ruin it for anyone else. Well, if you're out there listening, let us know after the World Cup. Let us know how you thought about Fox Sports, and we'll definitely circle back on this topic because it's something that we really want to keep an, a lookout for. Um, but yeah, kind of moving on. Uh, Nike and Adidas have both released some World Cup commercials. Yeah, um, and I kind of wanted to talk about it because commercials are such a important aspect, at least in my mind, for the World Cup and. It seems like Nike manages to knock it out of the park every Every single World Cup. And this year, it was no different. Um, They released a uh, commercial called Vaina Brasileiragem. It was a a commercial centered around uh, the Brazilian national team and what it means to be a Brazilian during the World Cup. And I'm going to link it in the the description below. And I don't know if it's maybe too biased of my part that I loved it so much, but it was just like... As a Brazilian, I was able to identify with it so much, and it just really hyped me up for the World Cup. Oh, yeah. The overall feedback in, in the Twitterverse and the internets has been really positive. I mean, you really understand what the World Cup means, not only to Brazil, but kind of the world through the, uh, weirdly enough, to the world um, through this through this ad. Even though it is Brazil-focused and Brazil-centric, you really get what, I mean, deep down what a World Cup means to a population. Right. Um Nike always does an amazing job at doing this. I don't know how. Whoever it is that's doing this for them, give them a raise because um, I actually tweeted a few weeks back that I needed a, a Brazil commercial to come out with. That reminded me of the Ronaldo one where Ronaldo there in the airport, or even the Jogo Bonita days when they're like flicking it around yep. in, in the um, in the locker rooms. So I, I was super pumped to see this one come out. It was amazing. Oh, like, and then they had a specific callback to yeah. that commercial right. in this commercial. Yeah, yeah they had Ronaldo, Fat Ronaldo, I'll call him. Yeah. They had him in the airport. So it was, it was kind of nostalgic, and it was really cool to see them pull on these prior um, inspirations 
to make this to make this ad. And on top of it, Adidas also released their own uh, commercial, which I forget the name of it. The, the it was like creativity. Uh, be creative. Um, I got it here. Give me a second. Creativity is the answer. Creativity the the is ad. the answer, and it's it's a decent commercial. Um, I thought it was okay. I, I think that in comparison to Nike's, it lacked a little bit. Yeah. So the problem here is that where Nike's, I really understood that the commercial was about the World Cup and what it meant to people. The Adidas ad to me was just a, an ad for soccer. I didn't see any World Cup influences other than there being players from different parts of the world. There wasn't much of a cultural connection. No, absolutely not. They were just playing in a cage. We'll, we'll link this as well. They're just playing cage soccer and people are kind of rooting for it. I didn't really understand the connection with the World Cup at all. Yeah, it was more of a, it was as if they wanted to celebrate the World Cup, but not talk about the World yeah. Cup. It was like, here's all our players that we have as, you know, sponsors. And, you know, they did their Adidas thing by bringing in other singers, rappers, other celebrities, which, in all fairness, has been working really well for Adidas over the last two years. And, and I find that the, the comparison between Nike and Adidas in this, in, in this ad realm is very interesting because Adidas has been kind of killing Nike. Yeah in the soccer department over the last two years, whereas I feel like Adidas almost just kind of sat on things that have worked in the past yeah. where they were just like, oh, this has been working for every right. single commercial yeah. we've released up until now, so let's just do it again. Yeah. What they forgot is that the World Cup is about bringing cultures together, and it's about what does it mean for these specific countries. And, you know, Adidas has Lionel Messi as their biggest signing. Why not yeah. do something centric on him and Argentina and what it means to be Argentinian and be and soccer. Um, and what is even more interesting is that Beats came out with a commercial this morning and I watched it when I woke up yeah. and it was phenomenal. Yeah. It was also for the World Cup and it had Harry Kane. It had uh, Russian cultural influence, which is actually the first time I've seen a commercial yeah. or someone focus they, on... They did a really good job in the prior World Cup. I remember Mario Goats being one of their kind of star boys, which ended up being really great for them, but... I had forgot about that yeah. commercial. Now you just mentioned it, and I thought how great that one yeah. was. Yeah. Um, and this one, they had Neymar, Harry Kane, uh, Benjamin Mendy, actually, yeah. and a couple other people. So they did a better job than Adidas did yeah. by bringing in cultural references and even bringing it back to Russia. Yeah, I think the issue with Adidas' um, advertisement as well is theirs seem very focused on the actual product whereas nike was focusing specifically on the cultural um aspects of, of soccer right so i think it, adidas has been very successful like you said with doing that but they really missed the mark on this one in my eyes it seems like they were just willing to be like ah you know what this is working let's just yeah. do it again yeah but it's also like we've kind of seen the same faces in every adidas commercial yeah. for the last year you yeah. know you have pogba you have beck beckham you have all the same yeah. kind of people, just in a different scenario. Yeah. And that's why, to me, when I first watched it, I was like, I feel like I've seen this commercial yeah. before. Yeah. And I shouldn't feel like that if was it's it for the Von World Miller Cup. again? And I'm pretty yeah. sure Von Miller was in it. And it's all the yeah. same cast of characters. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. You have these amazing celebrities, but you're missing the mark because each of these celebrities also has a cultural thing that they could have brought to the table. Um, but... Yeah, so we'll see I what else, if Nike if, if Adidas comes out with another one, what Nike does, but yeah, it's just great because it gets you so excited for the World Cup. You have commercials literally every day now, be talking about the World Cup, and we're so close you can almost taste it. Yeah, man, starting to get like the nervous chills when I go when I wake up. Be like, oh, game time's almost here. I know I should be this nervous, but I definitely am. Um, right, moving on to the next quick little topic. What team or who? 
will have the best hairstyles in the World Cup. Oh, come on. I know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> I ask this because every World Cup, it seems that on top of being, you know, a global display for soccer skill and for the sport, teams or players will also take it to help their personal brand, just be crazy and weird. I mean, I remember, I think back in the 2000s at some point, uh, I think it was Serbia or Slovakia. They decided to all go slim shady. They yeah. shaved their heads and then yeah. bleach it, bleached yeah. it, and the whole team looked identical. Yeah. Um, so, two. I guess we'll ask two questions: What team will have the best hairstyles overall, and then who by themselves will have the best hairstyle? So mine both go kind of to the same um, country and nationality. I guess um, Paul Pogba is going to have the best individual hair. He might be competing with Neymar. I don't know if Neymar is going to keep his jerry curls, but we'll see. And I think France overall will have the best hairstyle. I agree with you that I think France will overall have the best hairstyles, um, especially because you have Pogba, who literally gets a haircut every single week. Yeah. Uh, you have Olivier Giroud, who just has beautiful flowing yeah. locks. Antoine Griezmann. He has he shaved his hair? He cut it short, but he grows out some luscious locks yeah. as well. Um, so I think France will be a team to watch out for in terms of hairstyles and even styles. Um Alan and I had this conversation in a group text we have with some friends uh, earlier this week about, I was like, is the jerry curls that Neymar yeah. is rocking the look of the World Cup? Yeah. Like, I was kind of hoping because, you know, we got to, Brazil always has someone with some crazy hair. So it's like. And for people wondering why Louis brought this up in a group chat with a bunch of dudes, it's <laughs> we actually talk about Neymar's hair a lot. <laughs> and, and it's like, basically his haircut will determine how well he's going to play for us. Yeah. But like, he has some iconic looks that you just know he's going to be on fire when he's got it, the haircut. So. I don't know. I think he's been playing well with the jerry curls, so I, I, think, I think he's going to keep it. Yeah. I think if he were going to make a change, he would have made it, kind of tested it out on well, the pitch. And so here's the thing. There was an interview that he did for a YouTube channel that I watched recently, and it was someone was talking to him about hair. They're like, hey, so is this the look you're going with? What are you planning? He says, I have something planned, Ooh. but I'm not telling people what it is. Ooh. And so I kept an eye out last weekend with their first friendly, still rocking the jerry curls. Yeah. I don't. Th I haven't seen any new pictures of him yet. So I'm assuming he's still going to be rocking the kind of Jerry Curl look on Sunday when they have their next friendly, uh, which if once you re hear this podcast, it was a couple of days ago. Um, but I think that the first game of the World Cup, Neymar is going to come out I'm with out something, something crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. He scored a beautiful goal with the Jerry Curls. I might not want At that point, you might <laughs> have to keep I it. I might have to keep <laughs> it. I don't know. We'll see. That, but yeah, I think, I think if not, I think f second. I'm trying to think of all the teams that are in the World Cup right now. Because if you think about it, I know, like, most solid grew his hair out. He has that curly yeah. hair. I think him and Neymar, if they both rock yeah. the jerry curls, you're going to see a look. lot of people yeah. in your in your <laughs> town, in your area <laughs> yeah, with, with the, the jerry curls. I can't grow them out, but I probably nope, would. Me neither. <laughs> I don't know. England England might have a, a good chance of some decent hairstyles. And Brazil as well. I think those three nations probably oh, will be in, the, in contention for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see, right? I mean, That'd I think those seem to be the very the most, like, uh, out there uh, countries. Um, but, all right, moving on to something different with this being the most likely last world cup for both Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. I think the, I, I don't see either of them winning it, but who is more likely to win it a and, or who is most likely going to benefit the most from this world cup? Yeah. In terms I, of their legacy. I think it's hard to say, right? It, uh, Ronaldo has a European championship although he wasn't playing in the final i think that's so well, he did get them right there. no i i absolutely think of it. I'm, I'm trying to think of the kind of arguments that people make um 
that he has the blemish of, yeah, he won it, but he wasn't there for the final. Messi went to the final, didn't win it. So they both kind of really need it. I think, obviously, whoever wins it will for sure be cemented as the greatest of all time. If either of them win. If, if, if either of them do. When I look at both of their teams, there's not much there other than them. right? Yeah. Argentina has a good attacking line. But the rest, rest of their team is... I, I was joking around with Brendan... Um, last weekend about how Argentina is basically Liverpool of the international <laughs> football world, right? They just have an amazing attacking trio individually, but even together, they don't really play that well. Yeah. And then the rest of their team is just bad. They lost Sergio Romero. He's injured. So then they have a, like a backup keeper, backup who is a backup, I think, in real life as well. Um, I don't see Argentina doing as well as they did last World Cup. No. You know, th- their team is just so bad. I couldn't uh, – I can't name – a decent player behind Messi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? it's, it's difficult. It's I mean, I, I, between the two, I think I'd have to pick Portugal as having yeah. the stronger overall yeah. side. Um, and so I think that Ronaldo's probably closer to winning it, though I don't see Portugal winning no. it. Um, yeah. I think that if Ronaldo were to retire, or once once Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo retires, if they were to both retire at the same time, Currently, I think people might remember Cristiano Ronaldo more fondly because he has a European championship. Yeah. Argentina, on the other hand, with Messi, they've won nothing. Yeah. Yes, they've made it to a World Cup final, which was probably the first time since Maradona, but making it there yeah. and not winning isn't going to yeah. do as much for his legacy as, you know, winning it. I think Messi will be perceived differently inside of Argentina and outside of it, right? So here's the thing about that. I think that's a super important point. In Argentina, he's actually not as no. fondly people, regarded. I mean, people in Argentina weren't that sad when he said he retired. I mean, they, uh, Maradona has, has come out and said that like he just doesn't play as well for Argentina as, as he does for Barcelona. It seems they think that Messi's heart really isn't there, yeah. which, okay, what it, whatever it may be. Outside of Argentina, I think people really love Messi. They think he's this kind of really down-to-earth guy, whatever it may be. So he may be seen more fondly and, and appreciated more outside of Argentina than he is in Argentina. Whereas Ronaldo, I feel feel like across the board, is he's seen as being great both in Portugal and outside of Portugal. Um, so it's just interesting to kind of see the different dynamics and kind of impacts that either one has for th- within their nation, right? You would think that Messi being Messi, that Argentina would back him always, but it, that's not always the case with him. Yeah, especially because, you know, he left Argentina at a very young age to go to Barcelona's Youth Academy, yeah. which, in other words, he didn't spend much time in the Argentinian's eye before he went to uh, you know, Spain. Right. And so it's this thing where, yeah, he's Argentinian, he's their best player, but in the mind of the Argentinians living in Argentina, he is not as big yeah. as Maradona. And of course, he can maybe get there if he wins, but it's almost as if he's not as well supported, which is yeah. crazy to me. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, he, if Messi had even won one Copa America, I yeah. think the difference in, you know, regard for the for each of them yeah. would be very different. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, they've both won five Ballon d'Ors. They've both won X amount of Champions Leagues. Messi's won, what, four? Yeah. And Ronaldo's won five. five. So it's like, you yeah. know, it's pretty tight there. Absolutely. And everything that they do, it seems like they have a parallel, which, I mean, yeah. it's phenomenal to be able to watch. Absolutely. And it'll be really cool to see them both on the greatest stage, but they've not been known as, as performers in the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, I, they have, of course, but not to a huge degree. Not to the level that people expect them to be right. performing for the for the level of, of soccer that they produce at the club level. They haven't really done it internationally. Right. And so, 
I don't know, man. I don't see either of them making it to a final. No. Uh, I know that Argentina has a pretty big chance of actually drawing Germany yeah. uh, relatively early in the, yeah. in the tournament, so that'll be an interesting thing to watch. And I don't know. I, I, I kind of had a spinoff question for you here, and it's just, I mean, we've ha- to me, the World Cup, when it, whenever it's that World Cup year, is the most important tournament. Whoever does the best in the World Cup should deserve the Ballon d'Or. With that being said, with the year that Mo Salah has had, even Neymar before the injury, do we see that impacting the race for best player of this year, um, given what Ronaldo, I mean, he just won the Champions League. Do we see if Neymar has a really good year, wins a World Cup, Mo Salah has a, for some uh, some miraculous way, they end up doing better than Ronald, than Portugal and Ronaldo. Do we see that impacting his um, Ballon d'Or run? What do you think about that? I think that winning tournaments has a huge impact on the winner of the Ballon d'Or, or at least it should, right? Not that we've, we've seen that in the past few years. It hasn't necessarily right. meant that, but I think that if Neymar can take Brazil to the final and win and do so convincingly, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone who would disagree that he's the best player in the world for this year. Right. He's made it. He's been the runner-up and third place for the Ballon d'Or voting at, what, every single year for the past three, four years, first, I think, yeah. something like that, since he yeah. hit Barcelona, basically. So, you know, he's already been up there in that conversation. So for him, the year he had at PSG before his injury was already absurd. The numbers this man put up at PSG are crazy. Yeah. Sure, you may at tell me, oh, but the French League isn't as strong as yeah. XYZ League. Well, have you ever looked at the Spanish League right. outside of Madrid right. and Barcelona? Right. Th- those three clubs, the two in Madrid and the one in Barcelona, yeah. there's not much else in right. Spain. Yeah. You know, you can tell me Valencia's okay, yeah. sure, but... It's the same thing as telling me, you know... Just placeholder teams, honestly. Yeah, and so it's not... They're not nearly as as good overall as, say, the Premier League or the Italian League, but it's the same kind of thing. I think Neymar had an amazing season with PSG prior to his injury. I do think his injury is going to play a a role in this. Yeah. Uh, Mo Salah not winning the Champions League might play a role in it. Then again, of course, he was hurt, so he couldn't impact the game. Um, I think that if Mo Salah can score... First of all, it really depends on which club get or which country gets further into the tournament. Yeah. Um, if Egypt can miraculously get out of their group, but on the coattails of Mo Salah's amazing run, yeah, I think that has a huge impact. Yeah, on it. I think that I think a lot of people around the world want Mo Salah to be the best player yeah. in the world because they've seen how crazy of a season he had. Right. But you can't discount Cristiano Ronaldo. It comes into that question that we've already talked about, right? He won the Champions League for the fourth time in five years yeah and he got them there he was the leading goal scorer right. in the Champions League with 15 you know right. what I mean like that's a big number yeah and so yeah he didn't score in the final but he got them there yeah. you know that bicycle that bicycle kick against Juve to yeah. beat Juve that's already a major yeah. point for him um it's hard it's this year is one of those years where I don't know yeah who wins it really it. depends on how, what what pans out in the World Cup because a lot of times you don't take into consideration that first that that first half of the season so it, usually right. I think a lot of people are gonna the end their thinking after this World Cup right. on this past year right. so it's like okay maybe Mosala scores five or six in the World Cup right. gets Egypt on a deep fairy tale run similar to how like Costa Rica did four mm-hmm. years ago I think that that will play a big role if Brazil wins and Neymar scores, you know, eight, nine, whatever it is, that's a lot of goals in a World Cup. But if he wins them the World Cup, then I think you have to give it to Neymar if he wins Brazil their World Cup, uh, especially after all that it would mean. But if Cristiano Ronaldo makes it to the semis and scores six and really drags Portugal yeah. through the tournament, 
yeah. I don't see how you can't give it to him. Yeah. You know, it's like this. It's a difficult thing. Yeah, it's hard because you d- you normally don't think of anything ever outshining the Champions League and doing well in the Champions League. But the World Cup is a one tournament where you could really make a case for being best player in the world, depending on how how well you play. Especially there. because best player in the world, you're playing against the that's rest of the players the in the world. Right. You're so it's like, jeez. Yeah. And you'll notice that we haven't really been talking about Messi in this conversation because I don't see Argentina doing too well. Yeah. Nor I mean, d- nor do I. I mean, he's had enough of phenomenal season as well. But I think the conversation has shifted a little bit from Ronaldo Messi to to um, Ronaldo Mo Salah just because of the kind of euphoria that's behind behind Salah. Yeah. And that and that kind of transitions a little bit into um, you were mentioning how. Egypt could, if, if they were able to get out of the group, we see a lot of these kind of newcomer nations show up in the World Cup. And I wanted to ask you what you think or who will have the most kind of impact for their nation if they had a, a good run, right? Imagine Egypt does get out, maybe Saudi Arabia does has a, a, an amazing moment. Iceland gets out of their group. Who do you think that will mean the most to, right? We know the Brazils and the Germanys, they're kind of used to these kind of having decent runs, going deep in the competitions. If we did see one of these newcomer nations, these underdog nations, as, as we've been calling them, get out of their group or even have just a really good group stage and kind of have a lot of emotion behind them, who do you think they'll mean the most to? So I think that all the countries you just mentioned each have something that, if it goes well, will really make an impact, right? So for Iceland to be... A, A, this is their first World Cup. B, their population's only 300-something thousand. So that's not that many people. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a big country. And so, A, it's also, like, the the smallest smallest nation in terms of population size to ever qualify for a World Cup. So if they were to make it out of their groups, or to make it out of their group, that would be phenomenal. Um, I think that any of the predominantly Muslim countries that you just mentioned, you know, Saudi Arabia or Egypt, Egypt more so because it would continue Mosala's legend. And also Saudi Arabia, because if you can, if a Muslim country does really, really well, it's going to bode really well right. for the next World Cup. Right. I think that is a good uh, thread to follow, especially because we've bashed the Qatar World Cup quite oh, a yeah. lot. And it's been bashed across, you know, so many different news channels, so many different news outlets. And I think that any of those countries, if they do really, really well, will really help the the next World Cup. Um but the one country I'm going to go with is Peru. Uh, in their friendly that they recently had that we actually uh, mentioned a little bit at the beginning, 16,000 Peruvians flew from Peru to Switzerland yeah. to be in a stadium to support their team. Right. Those are two countries that are very far apart from each <laughs> other and just culturally completely different, right? Not to mention this is a friendly warm-up yeah. to the World Cup. And they were playing Saudi Arabia, so it wasn't like they were playing the huge footballing nation. Yet they still managed to get right. 16,000 people yeah. into that stadium. And it's uh, what I find interesting about Peru is that in terms of South American powerhouses, you know, you have, of course, Brazil at the top, Argentina and Uruguay tied with two World Cups each. But you've also had countries like Chile who have won the past two uh, Copa Americas. Unfortunately, yeah. they didn't qualify for this World Cup, but that's another country that's won quite a bit. Right. Colombia looking very good, looking very promising. But Peru is a country that you don't talk about in terms of, of South American countries b- who are good. And so it's almost like this little brother mentality for them where it's like, damn, we're also South American. We also have a lot of good Peruvian players, yeah. but we've never done much on the world stage. This is their first World Cup in 36 right. years. And so I think that if Peru do really well, I think they actually have a good team. And But without 
you know, with Guerrero being able to play, I think they have the ability to make some noise. Yeah. Um, I think they have some a lot to give, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on. No, I, I definitely think Peru's a good show. I mean, we saw. I mean, a few, a lot of episodes back in the in the history of ours, we were talked about how Peru, their fans were out in the streets all night. I mean, they they slept in the streets. They were cheering. They were so happy. Um, I think that they'll probably be some of the happier groups. I but to me, I think Egypt. If they are able to keep their kind of Cinderella run, we've seen the the videos of the the grandpas crying and celebrating Mo Salah after the the, the penalty kick that got him in. I, I don't see them not being the most jubilant fan yeah. base out there if they're able to do that. And um, not even that, probably Liverpool fans also supporting Egypt because of Mo Salah, right? So I think they're going to have just an overall um, so much energy behind them that I think that if they were to have a really good run, you're going to see some amazing, amazing scenes come out of Egypt. Yeah. I mean, I just think back to the videos of Cairo when they qualified. My God, yeah. man, that was insane. Yeah. I think... Uh, you know, Iceland. Going back to Iceland, though, you know, they seem to have this spirit about them with, like, the Viking clap yeah, and all of these absolutely. big culturally relevant kind of things that I- if Iceland does well, it'd be really amazing to yeah. see. For their well. size, I mean, Iceland is kind of one of the most united nations I've, like, ever seen. They just support all of their athletes or anything that anyone's doing because they are so small. They just support that that person or team or organization so much. It's like a clan them. mentality. Yeah, no, it, re- like it really is, and that's going to be something to look out for in, in the stadiums, right? They're doing their Viking clap, and that's an intimidating factor in its own. Um, so, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, it'll all mean it'll mean really a, a lot to everyone. Of course. But I, I think Peru and Egypt will, will, will see the most kind of spectacle of, of celebration if we do get something good out of them. And those are, like, the moments you look forward to watching, uh, right? The World Cup, yeah. yes, the, the, the sport itself is amazing, but you don't just watch the world cup for the sport you watch it for the spectacle you watch it for what it means you watch it for all of these things and so for egypt or peru or iceland or any of these smaller nations to do well um one that we didn't mention that i think could also be impacted is russia if russia actually do decent and get out of their group no one's expecting them to do anything their team is not even as good as it was four years ago Um, their team has been on a bad turn and, you know, hey, maybe doping all their athletes <laughs> helps them out. Maybe yeah. they get second place in their group by, I don't know, doing something. But I think that would mean a lot. I don't see them doing that. Yeah, I don't I don't think that their team is well-equipped for this World Cup. But, no. I mean, in, in your home nation, if they're getting a good run, um, soccer is very important to the Russian people. Uh, I think we overlook that a lot. But, I mean, soccer, they do have hooligans for a reason. They I mean, they, although they use the sport as a kind of... Um, convoy to dis- to disrupt people with but they do really support their clubs um of course and and they also you know they have some uh world cup history that when it was the, the soviet union they used to make it pretty far into right. the tournament and so i think that we we talk a lot about the bad parts about the russian world cup i do think that for the russian people on the good side every host nation gets a boost right you know whether that was South Africa in the 2010 World Cup, Brazil in 2014, you know, all of these countries, they get a boost, you right. know. South Korea, famously in 2002, they were co-hosts with Japan. They made it so far into right. the tournament off of the back of their home support, right. you know what I mean? I think they made it into the quarterfinals. Yeah. They played pretty well all yeah. the way through. And the best part about the World Cup is that we can sit here and talk about, like, you have a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of other, like, commentators talking about, oh, who's more likely to do this and what team is better, but... All of that is, is, you know, you're thinking about it. It's yeah, not the actual it's not game. Actually what's happening, the best part right. about a tournament is that at any moment, 
some shit can go wrong, right? right? Um, if someone gets a red card, a team gets overwhelmed. There's a lot of these things that can happen, yeah. and that's what makes it interesting. It's not just like, okay, this guy's the best, he's going to win. It's a matter of they still have to play the Absolutely. games, you know? Yeah. So I mean, here it's the one tournament in the world where all the eyes on earth are watching you. So the pressure is something that I we can't fathom because I, I haven't felt pressure like that ever in my entire life or even a fraction of it. So, it, I mean, we've seen it, right, before big teams crumbling, teams not getting out of their groups. It's definitely possible, so well, it's going to be interesting. Wasn't Italy uh, famous last World Cup for basically shitting the bed completely? Yeah. Like, the whole team just kind of, like, yeah. collapsed right. into it. And, and France did it France a few years back, yeah, too. Two World Cups ago, Two I World think. Cups ago, yeah. France just, they had a big fight in their yeah. training ground, and their all of their players just right. refused to play right. and, like, basically caused this whole uproar, and that ended up ending France's World Cup prematurely, right. of course. And so it's like, you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. The pressure hits... Some shit's going to go down and something can happen. You yeah. can just think about all the crazy stories you've heard about the World Cup. I think back to like, uh, I think in 2000 or in 98 when Roy Keane was one of the players in Ireland and he got into a huge fight with the manager yeah. and that ended Ireland's uh, World Cup. So you have a lot of these things that can happen out of nowhere. Yeah. And so bringing that back, I mean, you never know. Maybe someone in Russia's group collapses and yeah. Russia takes advantage and their home support helps them through. Um so that could be another thing. Uh, and so kind of piggybacking off of the la that last question of which of these newcomer countries have the will have the most impact, uh, what country outside, of course, for the two of us, Brazil, do you think excites you the most? This is a good question because I have a couple of teams that I'm interested in, in how well they do. England. For the case being that for the first time in a long time, I actually think they have a young squad that's kind of... I don't want to say there isn't pressure on them because the, we've talked about the Raheem Sterling issue and, and how there is there definitely is a lot of issues that, that come with being an England player. But they're a team filled with young players, players that have exciting facets to their game. Deli Alley, Raheem Sterling, um, Harry Kane, all these players that kind of... We've seen that they can do really great things, so it'll be interesting to see if they can produce it now on a, on a world stage. And also Belgium. And Belgium to me is interesting because I always call them kind of a, a hipster team because people always say they're going to have a good run, but I find it really hard for teams without any history in, in the sport to, to really go far, and that may be such an arbitrary thing to, to claim it by, but you regularly don't see... You regularly don't see teams that ha that don't have any footballing history pr really progress far in a tournament. But Belgium's squad, let me tell you, is f fucking loaded, right? They, I mean, position by position. They are uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Lukaku, all these guys that are big name players. They're there at every position. They have a a one or two players right. within the top ten in the world. Absolutely. I mean, they're what? Yeah, they're one of the most loaded teams in in the World Cup. So it's going to be really exciting to see if they can actually produce to the level that people think that they can produce. And be a new time winner potentially. Maybe. I mean, it's been right. you know the out of the what is it twenty something World Cups that have ever happened, only eight teams have ever yeah. won. So it's like yeah, of the teams that have the depth and, and quality o overall, they they, they definitely, definitely they're they're definitely up there. It just goes to it'll be one of those things like do they have experience in this at this world stage? Right, I don't think they do, and they've proven that in prior World Cups that, that they've competed in. But they're ex they're really exciting to me. Um, 
along with France, who, I mean, that's another team I think is just super loaded. And they have super, I mean, that their team, if you look at it on paper as well, is ridiculous. Yeah. So it would be exciting. But I think overall, I think England and, and Belgium, for me, are the two kind of teams that I'm really excited to see if they can produce. Well, what I find interesting about England is that there is pressure, of course, because the English fans are very demanding. But at the same time, this is different. This isn't the golden generation. You don't have Rooney. Right. You don't have Gerrard. You don't have Frank Lampard. You don't have Beckham. Because right. uh, back in 2006, the English press expected them to win every single game by like 17 yeah. goals and, and, and win the World yeah. Cup. Everyone was And honestly, they had the team to uh, they, to do that. They, they, they should have a won. fantastic team. Yeah. They had uh, they, what they called a golden generation, right? right? But that doesn't always translate to wins. Of course, right. there were a lot of egos involved in that, and, and a lot of things just didn't work out. But this English team, they're young. There seems to be less expectations. Right. No one, I don't think anyone's touting England to win. Right. Aside from a couple people here and there who are just, you know, homers and yeah. want them, their team to win. Right. But none of the expert analysts out there are saying England as a winner. So I think England has a chance to really shock quite a lot of people by making it far and doing it with a young, youthful team. Um I think Belgium, man. Belgium has a great team as well. Like I said, every 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 position, they have one of their players in the top ten in the world. I mean, you have Thibaut Courtois, Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku. You have players that are just outstanding. Yeah. Um, and you know their defenders you aren't Fellaini. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> God, Fellaini, one of the best midfielders in the planet. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. Outside of Brazil, who excites me the most? Um. That's difficult. I, yeah. Aside from the teams that you mentioned, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Spain. I'd love to. I can't wait to see what Spain does because they hit such a slump in 2014. Like they went from winning two Euros in a World Cup to getting bounced pretty pretty early yeah. in the tournament last time. So I'd love to see what Spain do because a lot of people are touting Spain as their champion. Um, I don't see Spain winning, mm. but they're also that thing, right, where they have some, they have a phenomenal team. They're yeah. young. I think there's less expectations on them. That It's a similar situation to England, right? I think that for the last World Cup, there was a lot of expectations on Spain, right? Yeah. And they were expected to follow up with their success, despite the fact that it's a little unrealistic, right? right? And so, but then you get to this year where they find they seem to have regrouped their team and brought some young, youthful players into it. I'd love to see what Spain will do as well. I think that aside from the three teams you mentioned, I'd want to add Spain into that conversation of interesting. And, of course, Argentina and Portugal to see what they end up doing. But Yeah. No, I, I, I think we'll see if anything different pans out. But, I mean, on paper, those teams seem to be kind of the more the teams to kind of want to watch out and see if they perform uh, to the level we think they can. Right. And so above those teams i think what I, in my mind there's a smaller group of teams that actually have a chance of winning the world cup yeah and i kind of just wanted to go through and examine and talk about for which country will winning the world cup have the biggest impact yeah so you know i'm thinking in terms of brazil germany argentina i guess right uh, belgium spain all of these countries that we just mentioned which one of them do you think is going to have the biggest like for, for for which one of those will winning the world cup have the biggest impact and i know this is, seems like a silly question because winning a world cup major impact right. but let's examine it yeah i mean without being a homer i think brazil right i think brazil has kind of hit a point now a critical point in their history where they i think they need to win this one uh, over the last few years we've seen a lack 
of that Joga Bonito, that kind of traditional Brazilian style, that flair, that happiness that comes when you think of Brazil and soccer. Last World Cup, I mean, being in Brazil, we we saw how spectacularly Brazil crashed out of that. That's left a huge scar, um, one that a lot of Brazilians are still still getting over till this day. Um, Tell me about it. I think that they they need it more than any of the other countries that were mentioned that, that could potentially win it. I think they need it in order to kind of revitalize their personal image of who they are as a soccer nation. Uh, I think the players need it. I think the, they need it because they want the world to understand that they're not down and they're not out just yet. And also just for the culture of the sport, right? I think that they need to prove that soccer still is what makes brazil i think that uh, it's what we it's something we talk about all the time that without soccer brazil would be a totally different country right, right? a lot of people only know brazil for soccer so if or for the beauty right like the soccer the beaches absolutely everything if, up if on they that side. but if they lose that right if they lose the title of not being the, the best footballing nation in the world they lose a lot of what makes them them so I find I think that you have hit a lot of good points, and, and to really kind of continue on with the of what it means to the country of Brazil since the last World Cup, right before the 2014 World Cup, Brazil was on the upswing. It was named as one of the best up-and-coming countries, had one of the best up-and-coming economies shortly before the World Cup, and it has spectacular as spectacularly as Brazil crashed out of the World Cup. The the Brazilian country has also crashed terribly they've impeached a president they went to impeach the other president and then the congress was like you know what do we really want to do this again (laughs) so now he's still there despite the fact that they all know that he's a crook yeah uh the country's going through a big scandal right now like the country's just in disarray since the last world cup and i think that the embarrassment we suffered at the hands of germany was just so shocking yeah it was you're the host country you had one of the best players in the tournament in neymar who had scored up until that point five goals i believe so in other words was in competition for like the the golden boot of the tournament best player of the tournament crashes out doesn't play against germany our country gets embarrassed in front of the whole world in quite honestly one of the worst losses ever yeah I'd and say probably so the worst loss ever, right? considering the stage and just what, what it, it meant, meant, where it was held. I mean, yeah. it just did, yeah. I and think so sure I think that all of that plays a huge role. And like you said, Brazil hasn't won a World Cup since 2002. We've gone through a few golden generations ourselves of yeah. we need them to win, it's going to win, and it's just not working out. Right. But I think that this tournament is different for Brazil. They brought back the classical Brazilian style of love, like let's play beautifully. You see, watch Neymar play, you know yeah. it's like that's Brazil. Yeah. D- distilled down yeah. to like a, a T. But it's not, they're not so reliant on Brazil. Or, or I'm sorry, they're not so reliant on Neymar this time around. They have actual an actual supporting cast around yeah. him. To give you an idea, Neymar wasn't the leading goal scorer in the qualification. It was yeah. Paulinho. Yeah. You know what I mean? Craziness. Yeah. But I think that to be, to look at other countries, I think that for Germany, them winning again will just solidify everything they did, right? And we've talked about this before, how in the 2000s, Germany had went, went gone through a really bad period of time where they're like, our country's not good at soccer anymore. We don't seem to be doing very well. So they revamped the whole thing. They started down from the lower levels. They started with the youth development to the day where they now created their golden generation yeah. of German players. And they won the World Cup, right? And so if they win another World Cup, that levels them with Brazil. So I think that'll mean a lot to the German people yeah. because that means that both countries are equal with five World Cups. So given everything you've just said, what do you think that will do to Brazil if Germany wins another World Cup? If Brazil, I hope it just lights another fire. 
under Brazil, right? I hope they don't take it to the point where it just dismantles everything because yeah. I think that we, Brazil has such a rich, rich soccer history that I hope it doesn't destroy everything. Um, Do you think it would? Do you think it would ruin kind of, ruin the image that people have of Brazil? Like, if, if Germany is now tied with them in, in World Cups... Does Brazil lose that that title of being the soccer the, the, world the soccer I mean, the, nation the soccer nation? I think it does. I think that <coughs> at least for the period in between, neither uh, country ever winning again, they'll have to share it. Because um, Germany's innovated, they have done so much that you kind of almost have to give it to Germany yeah. as being if they win this one to being the soccer nation yeah. with that German precision and just everything about it. I think that hopefully would light a fire under in Brazil to be like, no, 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 we got to win this one next next time around because the Brazil team is very young. This is a very youthful Brazil squad. Yeah. You know, they have, you know, Neymar's only 26. A lot of the, Gabriel Jesus is 21. A lot of these players are relatively young, so if they don't win this one, it will be hard to deal with. Yeah. I don't think it will be as devastating as the last World Cup loss, right. but at the same time, I think it will just light a fire in the hopes that the next time around, they would win. Um but I think that this also, yeah, they'd have to share it. If if Germany wins, you kind of have you can't just qualify say that Brazil is the is the is the soccer nation. You know yeah. what I mean? I think it'd be devastating for the Brazilian people to lose that. Uh, it's like you said, it's something that we identify ourselves with yeah. very wholeheartedly because yeah. the country is how it is, and, and mm. it's had its ups and downs. Um, soccer's been its only constant. Right. We've been great at soccer. A few bright spots, I think, yeah. in, in a nation that's been plagued with some unfortunately bad news always but yeah i think that you know expanding this conversation outside of just those two countries i think that let's say france were to win it i think it'd be hugely important because (coughs) france is another nation that has world cup history you know it would be really great for them to be able to announce their return to the global stage because it seems like they have all the pieces in place i think that you know the, like we've already we discussed last week, one of the things that really impacted is uh, the coaching. I think the coaching is where they're lacking. But other than that, I think that uh, France winning it would be really, really important for them, and they would be have a big impact. Yeah, especially given the team that they have around there. Their superstar, I mean, at almost every position, I think it's hard for you to point out a player on their starting 11 that isn't a superstar on their bench I mean look at the people that they left out the Kareem Benzema like they come on there's a striker for Real Madrid and he's not being called right, right. so I think that they they have really high expectations this year and for them it definitely especially um, with the way they fell out in the Euros they want to experience some type of joy with the, with the current crop of players they have now so I could definitely see it, it, meaning, it meaning a lot to them as well So, to kind of wrap up, if you had to pick one country that has never won a World Cup before, that has the best chance of winning this one, who would you pick? I mean, I've got to say Belgium, right? They're just too good at the positions. Too many superstars for them not, for me not to say them. But I don't want to keep harping on it, but they're la- they just seem like they crumble when it comes to this stage. Like they're lacking something. Something you is missing. Don't know missing. what it is. I don't. But something. I don't missing. know. But so I say it kind of half-hearted. I, mean, I don't. I, I'm saying it just based off the the names that I see on the on the team sheet. But I think on paper that they're the team for me that hasn't won one that has the best chance. I actually really gonna say Portugal. Really, I think that. 
I want to say Belgium. I do. I think that they, like you said, they have players at every position. Yeah. But Portugal have Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. You know, and like we've said, yeah, he maybe hasn't produced as much for Portugal, but I actually think they have a good squad this yeah. year. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just don't trust anyone that isn't Cristiano Ronaldo on that team. But to your point, my dad, something my dad always says is that you can't win a World Cup without a superstar. This Even if true. it's only one, you can't win a World Cup without a superstar. So I, I, I do think that that's a pretty valid, that's a pretty good pick. Yeah, I, I think that it'll be really interesting to see. Um, if there's anyone on earth that can carry a team, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he's done it. Very few players in the world that can do it, and he's definitely one of them. So I think that that's definitely a, a good shout. Right to end it, I'm going to ask a very a question that I know the answer to, but who wins the World Cup? Brazil, Neymar leading scorer. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. And you could sue us if you want, <laughs> but that's, that's just the way, that's the way it is. I'm not being, I don't think we're being deceptively too Homer-ish. I think Brazil actually has one of the best squads and the best coaching. Yeah. So, I, and the Brazilian flair. You can't discount the Brazilian flair. Yeah. I think, uh, and they need it, man. Like I said, Brazil needs this win. And... I was having this discussion, and the question was, if Brazil, if you had to pick between two possible finals, Brazil playing Argentina or Brazil playing Germany in the World Cup final, which final would you prefer? Yeah, I I was a part of this conversation, and I said Germany, and the reason why is because I, I need them to get one over on them and show them that that, that last World Cup was just a, was a mental lapse that happened um, as a team. Argentina, whatever, we'll get them sometime next time, and who really cares, but... Um, the wound is still very much open on that Germany loss. So yeah. definitely would love to see a Brazil-Germany final and, and, and get one over on them. Yeah, and I would think that a if Brazil do win this World Cup without beating Germany at some point, yeah. it's going to be... It's, gonna it's still be something they could hang over yeah. your head, right? Yeah. I think beating them in a final would be like, okay, you beat a 7-1, but if we came Here right we are back, at the biggest right. stage in the final to kill you. Yeah. you know? I think that'll be that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, with that, I think uh, I think that was a good wrap-up. Yeah. World Cup is here. Pick a – go find your ancestry. See what nation you can most ad- identify with and um, get behind them. Yeah. So, guys, if you made it this far into the podcast, you are officially ready for the World Cup. If you have any questions, comments regarding the World Cup, your favorite team, let us know in the comments. Don't forget to also comment – who you think is going to win the World Cup so that you can enter for a chance to win our World Cup gift package. That's enough for us. I hope you're ready for the World Cup. Subscribe to the podcast and tune in next week for our next episode.